RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination 1908. Of all the artists Taiwan has produced, few have achieved the stature of Guo Xuehu. Over a life that spanned more than a century, this painter loomed large. While still young, he created images that have gone on to define an era of Taiwan's history. And though he would spend his later life far away from Taiwan, memories of the place continued to inform his work. Most stunning of all is the degree to which he was self-taught, taking in all the visual culture around him and with nothing but his talent to rely on, making it his own. Here to discuss the life and work of this artistic giant is Lin Yuchun, a former curator at the Taipei Museum of Fine Arts, the home of many of his works. Guo Xuehu was born in 1908 in a place called Da Daocheng. If there was any place in Taiwan where people and ideas circulated, this was it and it had been that way for a long time. After the opium wars of the previous century, this became a mercantile gateway to the world. Over time, Da Daocheng would be absorbed by the new city of Taipei, while still retaining its colorful identity. Guo Xuehu was born into a Taiwan subject to Japanese colonial rule. At the time he was born, it had been a Japanese possession for more than a decade. But despite the new rulers, Da Daocheng continued to thrive. The Japanese built a railroad linking Da Daocheng all the way to Taiwan's south and turning it into a domestic transport hub as well. Every year, when Da Daocheng's annual City God Festival rolled around, merchants from all over northern Taiwan would come to sell their wares. This colorful, eclectic world would one day show up clearly in Guo's works, and perhaps because of where he grew up, he was never afraid to mix, match, and blend cultures. But Guo Xuehu's career as an artist began with him dropping out of school. Guo was interested in art and drawing, and he'd gotten into a school where he could pick up the skills he'd need to do this for a living. Unfortunately, this was an industrial school and he knew he did not want to spend the rest of his life making the architectural drawings he was being taught to make. So he dropped out. With the help of his mother, he was able to enroll instead in the studio of a Chinese ink painting master, the closest thing to an art school Taiwan had in those days. The style of art he learned there harkened back to an earlier time, before Japanese rule, when Imperial China ruled Taiwan instead. It seems that he excelled in his learning. Ms. Lin says his apprenticeship ended after just a year, far faster than average. Going forward, though, he faced a challenge. He was on his own, left to make a living with nothing but his own resourcefulness. This concern with making ends meet is the reason why his early works are mostly things he knew would sell. Images of Buddhist deities, hanging scrolls, and paintings of lucky flowers like peonies. But his interests, and crucially his talent, went far beyond this. Without a teacher or an academy to turn to, 
He began copying artworks out of painting albums and studying art in library books. In 1927, this self-study paid off. This was a life-changing year, the year his work was chosen to appear in the first-ever Taiwan Art Exhibition. Ms. Lin says the question of why his work was chosen is a complicated one, but she suggests it might have something to do with a kind of three-dimensionality in his ink paintings that set them apart. The work that was chosen for the exhibit was called Stream Through Pine Ravine. This exhibition proved to be a launchpad for Guo's career. It was here that he made his name as one of the three young rising stars of the Taiwanese art scene. But he couldn't just rest on his laurels, and this may be why his style began to change. Ms. Lin says he certainly faced pressure, as his peers tended to have a more modern style. For another exhibit the following year, Guo Xuehu painted something completely different. It's a rich green painting showing a mountain with trees, a figure tending a lush vegetable patch, and part of an iron bridge peeking out from behind the detailed foliage. This painting, called Scenery Near Yuan Shan, depicts a view we hear know well, a mountain scene right next to what are now RTI Studios. Unlike his ink paintings, big and full of empty spaces, this work and others that followed are densely packed, use intense colors, and are highly detailed, with every single leaf and blade of grass jumping out. In part, Ms. Lin says, this change came from looking at the works of other artists at the 1927 Expo, especially the Japanese artist Gohara Goto, who would later become his mentor. Then there were also densely packed Tang Dynasty works from China that Guo came across in his library books. By the 1920s, Da Daocheng, where Guo had grown up, had become an even more exciting place to be. Here was a ferment of ideas and personalities, and a Taiwanese cultural and political movement. In 1930, Guo captured the place at its most exciting in the painting Festival on South Street, perhaps the most famous painting he would ever make. Every inch of the canvas is covered in something of interest. From up above, we can see a massive religious procession underway. It marks the day when the spirits return to the other world at the end of what's called Ghost Month in late summer. As people fill the street, incense smoke fills the air, while in front of us, a jungle of shop signs and spectators fill the upper stories of the buildings along the street. Ms. Lin says the painting is important for its depiction of modern buildings in Taiwan. It's an interesting blend of realism and imagination. The scene is based closely on places that actually exist, but it's not a photograph. For one thing, its composition features two points of view instead of one. We look down on the street festival, but also up and up towards the sky. There are also some artistic liberties. Some of the shops would have existed, but not in this part of the city. And then there's also the fact that the end of Ghost Month was never so crowded in Da Daocheng, 
If you remember from earlier, what really brought in the crowds was the city god's birthday earlier in the year. One of the most interesting aspects of this painting is Guo's eclecticism, here on full display. The painting is a vivid depiction of Taiwan's ethnic Chinese life, showing religion and clothing, and suggesting other things like fortune-telling from the shop signs. But the painting is executed in the Western medium of gouache, and the aesthetics seem to borrow heavily from the tradition of Japanese woodblock prints. Ms. Lin says the influence of Japanese prints can be seen in the choice and application of color. Even the shop signs are eclectic, with Chinese and Japanese signs side by side. Ms. Lin tells us to notice these signs. Among them, many advertise souvenirs of Taiwan for travelers and are covered in designs drawn from Taiwan's indigenous people. Are these indigenous-themed shop signs just there to show us what kinds of souvenirs colonial travelers wanted to buy? Or could Guo be using them to assert a kind of Taiwanese identity among all of these Japanese elements? It's a painting full of thought-provoking details just like this one. View of South Street has become a monument of Taiwanese art and a visual shorthand for the creativity of Da Daocheng under colonization. But Guo Xuehu was only in his 20s when he painted this scene, and he would live to be over a hundred years old. There's a lot more ground to cover still, and that is what we'll do next week when Ms. Lin joins us again for another look at this giant of Taiwanese art. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time.